Excited to preach this message to you today. Excited about this series that we are in. So much going on around church life. If you got students, bring them to one big night. And just so much going on that you heard Brandy talk about. If we haven't had a chance to meet, I'd love to meet you after service today in the lobby. And let's connect. And um, here to serve you any way that I possibly can. Let's pray together, ask God to speak to us. Then we'll jump into today's message. Father, thank you for your word. God, I open my heart to God's word today. And whatever it is you want to say to me, I'm ready to receive. God, I come expectant today. Come on, tell him that. I come ready to receive from God today. And uh, I, I'm going I'm to leave here changed. Because I'm going to prepare my heart. God, I'm going to leave here inspired and encouraged, my head lifted up. I thank you for that. I open God's word with an open mind and an open heart today. Speak to me. Come on, tell him that. Speak to me, Holy Spirit. I give you my whole self today in Jesus' name. Everyone shout a good amen. Come on, shout a better amen than that. Amen, amen, amen. So, we are in the second week of a four-week series, a couple of more weeks in this series, right in the middle. Uh, called Triggers, and I have prepared for this series probably as much as anything I've ever brought to you because uh, I really feel like God uh, this year has dealt with me specifically about the area of our mind and, and our joy and our peace. Matter of fact, a couple of months ago I preached a whole series to you from the book of Philippians on joy and living a joy-filled Life. I think Christians ought to be the happiest, most joy-filled people on the planet. Come on, everybody. You ever see somebody in, in Walmart with a Christian t-shirt on looking like they're just they lost their best friend? Anybody know what I'm talking about? That that's not a good I don't want that kind of Christianity. Like I don't, and and if if in fact you've got that kind of face, don't wear City Hills t-shirts. I go to other churches and buy their t-shirts and I'll hand them out to you to wear so that you don't tell people you come here. Because I want you to be full of joy. And so in, in, in preparing for this year, thinking about how I could equip you to be people of joy, people of peace, I really felt like the Lord said, i got to help you deal with what robs you of your peace. So it's one thing for me to help you add to your joy. That's what we walk through in Philippians But in this series, I want to help you remove some stuff, some triggers in your mind that rob you of joy and take away your peace and interrupt your dreams. And and they may disrupt relationships in your life. So, So here's what I believe. Listen close. I think a lot of times the external problems that we have aren't really the root of our problems. There's probably something in... In other words... Maybe what's going on in your relationship or your marriage isn't really a marriage problem. It's probably something internally that you're battling in your mind and you've brought into your marriage and created a marriage problem. Anybody married to somebody, don't amen right here. This is where you look straight ahead and stay very still. Anybody married to somebody or in a relationship with somebody that you know when they've had a bad day, you're going to have a bad day? Come on, they just... I said don't say amen. They just... (laughs) Now you're going to have a bad day. (laughs) I'm trying to help you here. You you just know when I go into the office and and, and I see him, if his door is closed, that's it. This is going to be everybody's like it's hell to pay everywhere, all around. It's just going to be bad. And it's not that you have a job problem. It's that there's, there's something going on. There's a mental trigger that whatever that is, it changes the course of every other relationship. Changes the course of it. It could be it, it could be uh, inaccurate assumptions. You know things that you think about people that you wonder about, and those assumptions kind of get in your mind, and you'll start building a case against somebody that you don't know anything about, or no, you don't really know why it is. You just know I don't like them. I think they feel this way. Anybody ever been wrongly accused? Let me see your hands. And then when you find out that they wrongly accuse you, now you're mad at them at what they thought about you, and now you got some assumptions about them. And there's this mind battle, and now you've got relationship problems, and it all started in, in your head, or fearful imaginations, things that your mind makes up, or insecurities insecurities about being short I'm just putting that out there insecurities about why all the six foot people uh, get to do everything and why the best looking people or grow big beards you know what I'm saying or over six foot I don't know I'm just I'm throwing that out there in case it helps you like it needs to help me 
just whatever you're battling on the inside, it starts on the inside, starts in your mind, and then it comes out in every other thing. Anger, it starts in your mind. Rage, road rage. I've seen some of y'all. Now, in fairness, I don't, I don't have the ability to absolve you of your sins, but I tend, I'm going to give you a pass. I think the Holy Spirit understands why it is you lose your salvation on I-10 right now. But I think the Holy Spirit has withdrawn His presence from I-10. And, and hopefully, and my prayer is that one day he will, re, he will come back to Interstate 10 and, and will keep us. But you got raids that comes out. And, and have you ever, you ever lost your temper and you don't even know where it comes from? Like you don't even know why I just kicked my dog or, or yelled at my kids. or I don't even, there have been times when it just comes out of me and I go, Brandy, I have no idea why I just bit your head off about that. Like I don't know where that comes from. It starts in our minds or worry or sadness or depression or guilt, or shame, and listen, ultimately, the reason I'm bringing you this message series is because I think it's create a culture. Honestly, I think our whole culture is inundated and, and possibly stretched to the point of despair, where you really feel like there's no hope. It's why suicide's on the rise. It's why, it's why medicines for depression, anxiety, and stress are the number one prescribed medicine in America today. It's increased exponentially the prescriptions for dealing with stress and anxiety and worry. And as a matter of fact, today I want to tackle that topic of stress. Right up front, let me ask you, how many of you feel like you are under an attack of stress in your life? Let me see your hands. How many of you feel like you're married to your stress? Don't, don't raise your hands. Or you're raising your stress. Come on, everybody. Or, or you work with your stress. Or, or your money is your stress. Or you're married to the person you work with who manages the money and you're ready to just give it all up. Come on, somebody. Like It's all intertwined. Like Everything is stressful in my life. Maybe you came to church today feeling that way. And preparing for this message, I, I, I did a little research for you. And right up front, i got to tell you, I'm not, like, I'm not a doctor and I'm not Dr. Phil. And I'm not coming with feel-good stuff. And I'm not, I, don't, I don't have, I'm not talking about clinical diagnoses of diagnoses. I'm not talking about clinical depression or stress or anything like that. But, but, but I do think there's so much. I, in reading for this, I, I, I went to the, there's actually a Stress Institute of America. Imagine that. There's somebody that went to college to study stress. That stresses me out. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's somebody spends their college, like, worried about stress. And I read that 44% of Americans say they have more stress today than they had five years ago. 44% of Americans say they have more stress today than they did five years. That's true for me. It just so happens my little boy just turned five years old anyway. Uh, um, one, one out of five, I just read this, one out of five people have what they call extreme stress. And, and, and this particular institute and study defines extreme stress as a mental condition that comes out physically. Like that it's that you're shaking. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where like this uncontrolled, or maybe your heart's racing, or your blood pressure goes up, or you're not sleeping good for stress, and, and, and you're worried. And anybody else a light sleeper that wakes up in the middle of the night thinking about World War III but me? Anybody? No, I'm the only one? Okay, I just wake up thinking about stuff I shouldn't even worry about. I just wake up in the middle of the night stressed about why you're not so stressed as I am, you know? And it comes out physically in our life. Matter of fact, it's so bad, I just read 60% of, of new diagnosis. 60%. 60% of new physical diagnoses. i got to fix that. 60% of illnesses are related to, are, are connected to our stress. It's coming out in our blood pressure. It's coming out in our, in, our, in our lack of sleep. It's coming out in eating disorders. It's, it's, it's coming out in, in all areas of our life, heart disease. And, and, and we're just struggling through. We're, we're being suppressed by, we're being what feels like overtaken by a culture of stress. So much so that we've started glorifying stress. So we do things like this. When somebody asks us, how's it going? Our first response is, well, I'm stressed. I'll be honest with you, I'm busy. I'm exhausted. I'm worn out. 
I'm, I, 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 everything's not okay. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just feel like I'm, I'm sinking right now. And some of us even wear stress as a badge of honor. So you think the busier you are, the more that, that people are going to go, man, he must be important. Look how busy they are. Every time I ask them, they say they're busy. And we add stress to our own lives so that we can seem important to people we don't even like. Oh, not y'all just first service? Okay. And stress and stress, it's just, it piles on top of us. And here's the reason why. Now listen, I'm not talking about clinical diagnosis. I'm not talking about any of that. But I really believe that God is involved in this. I really believe God has something to say about this because I believe it's a spiritual attack on you. As a believer, I, here's what I think. I think one of the biggest tools of the enemy in the end time is he can't destroy you, so he'll distract you. He can't take away your salvation, so he'll take away your joy. Am I helping anybody? He, he, can't, he can't rip out uh, your salvation. You can't take you from the hand of the Father. The Bible says no man can pluck you from the hand of the Father. But while you're there, you can be exhausted all the time and stressed out all the time and joyless and no peace in your life and no, no rest and you just fall asleep at the desk because there's so much weighing on you. You don't think your enemy's involved in that? You don't think your enemy knows if I, can, if I can just put so much weight on them and they're so stressed out that they'll eventually blame God. Walk away. Give up. It's just too much. God's Word has a lot to say about all of that. And listen, I'm not a doctor, but I am a pastor. And so it's my job not to point you to, to stuff that, you know, that, that everything else is going to fix. My job's to point you to God. And I think if you can get to God, God can heal anything. Are you there? Say amen with that. I think if I can get you to God, God can give you the tools to heal anything. I think you're more than an overcomer in Jesus' name. I don't think you have to give in to this culture of stress and exhaustion and busyness all the time. But God can give us rest. Can I get a better amen than that? Stress comes from all kinds of different places. Relationships. Conflict. I meet people all the time who say the stress is because of who I'm married to. And then I meet with single people and their stress is they're not married to anybody. <laughs> all the married people think their stress leaves when they get unmarried. And all the unmarried people think the stress leaves when they get married. Stress comes from deadlines at work or legal problems or world events or divorce. And co-parenting or a new job or your old job or no job. And then there's stress or illness. It's always interesting to me. Illnesses bring stress to our lives. And then it causes us to stress out about how sick we are. And we worry about money. We worry about missing work. And it feeds the illness that started with stress. And there's this cycle of stress and illness that comes out in us. And parenting. Come on all the parents. Parenting causes stress. Are there no parents in this room? Parenting causes stress. I've got a five-year-old and an almost eight-year-old. And in the connect group that Brandy and I lead, we have a couple who's raising teenagers. And I have banned them from telling me that it gets worse. Because I want to live on the delusion that this is as bad as it ever is going to be. Don't tell me no different. All right, I, I, There's just stress. There's stress at every level. There's stress at 5 years old. There's stress at 15 years old. And some of you have already raised your kids and they've got kids. And there's stress at 25 years old. There's stress in every level. That's a grandmama over there who said, Amen to that. There's stress at every level. There's stress all around us. Expectations. Of others that don't make it. Unresolved sin causes stress in our lives. There's stuff that sort of piles up in our heart and it gets unresolved and it causes a stress and anxiety and guilt. By the way, you can deal with that today in Jesus' name. You can get all that sin and guilt and shame off of you in Jesus' name today. And Jesus, listen, i gotta, I got to give you the, the hard stuff up front. Jesus did not promise His followers a stress-free life. I think one of the hardest things for Christians to wrap their head around is when I give my heart to Jesus, I still am married to the jerk I said I do to. I give my heart to Jesus and I still have the same struggle in my job. I still have the same struggle in my marriage, the same struggle in my, in my finances. Like, 
Matter of fact, Jesus promises us. So many people, love, I, I love the promises of God. I quote the promises of Scripture over my life. I believe the promises of God. But here's a promise from God's Word that nobody turns into a t-shirt. John 16, 20, 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have stress. Nobody puts that on their refrigerator. Nobody puts that on a piece of wood like Chip and Joanna and hangs it in their, in their house. Come on, somebody. Nobody. Nobody believes this promise from Jesus. But here's a promise from Jesus. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. I want you to catch this so important. In this world you'll have trouble. Now hang on, Jesus. In me you'll have peace. In this world you'll have trouble. In me you'll have peace. In this world you'll have trouble. In me you'll have peace. In this world you have trouble. Take heart. I've overcome all the stresses of this world. But look at me. You still live in these troubles. But in me you can have peace. God's solution isn't always taking trouble out of your life. Most of the time, it's God giving you peace in the middle of your trouble. That's most of the time how salvation comes, how healing comes, how deliverance comes. It's not God extracting you out of the storm. It's Jesus walking on the water to you while you're in the middle of your storm. I'm preaching better than your amening in second service. Jesus did not promise us deliverance from trouble. He promised us peace in the middle of our trouble. And i got to get you believing that you can have rest and joy and peace even in the middle of your stress. Even there, You're amening now because you know I'll climb on this side. Even if you have to go to your office tomorrow, face the same boss, have the same struggle, have the same account balance, have the same marriage struggle with the same thing in your children, have the same, in the middle of that stress, you can have the peace of God, the Bible said, that passes understanding in the middle of your stress. Psalms 34 and 19 says, here's another promise from David. He says, many are the afflictions, underline that in your Bible, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Now, it didn't say the Lord saves them before they ever walk into them. Most of us prefer to think that there's a flaming angel with a flaming sword between me and my stress. And that's not what the Bible promises. The Bible says you're going to have many afflictions. You'll walk through it, but you won't walk through it alone. God will be there. The Bible talks about that fiery furnace where those three Hebrew boys are thrown into there. And they look inside the furnace and the boys are still there. But there's a fourth man like unto the Son of God. He may not take you out of the fire. He may just get in there with you and protect you while you're in the middle of your stress. We, 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 sometimes I, I got to be honest with you I ask God maybe you're more spiritual than me but I go to God and I say why? after all the stuff I've done I'm tithing I'm showing up to church I'm serving I'm praying I'm in a connect group I, I, I'm doing everything I know how to do why, 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 why is this still coming against me? let me tell you that's bad theology to believe that because you're doing the right things no stress comes into your life many are the afflictions of the righteous. This word in Hebrew, when David would write it in the Psalms, this word actually refers to the same exact word is an Assyrian form of, tor- of torture. The, 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 the Hebrews would know. They would, they would recognize this Hebrew word that we've translated as affliction as a kind of torture the Assyrians had. They would tie up someone to a big pole and they wouldn't stone them to death. They wouldn't throw stones at them. They would, I'm helping somebody right here. They would pile stones up against them and press it up against them to the point that they were covered in stones. So it felt like I was suffocating under the weight of this. And, and, and the Bible says, David says, that's what the afflictions are going to feel like. And some of us come to church today and we feel like if one more thing piles up against me, 
If one more thing presses against me, I'm going to give up. If one more rock is placed against me, I'm already struggling in this area. We're already struggling with our kids. I'm already struggling financially. If anything else falls, I'm just going to get, I'm dead. I'm going to give up. And that's exactly what your devil, what, what your enemy, the devil wants to do in your life. He wants you to get so afflicted, so stressed that you just say, I'm done. I'm out. Unfortunately in America, some folks have decided, I'm done. And I'm out. And I can't do this anymore. And i and, and I, I got to help you before you get to giving up. Before you let stress pile, pile on you. And I thought today, I prayed today, God help me to give some practical tools. Like help me to teach people about massage. Come on everybody. Like... That, that'll help you with your stress. Where are all my people who love massage? Where are you at? Yeah, that'll help, you with, that'll help you with some stress. And chiropractic care. Come on, I don't think they're really doctors. But anyway, like chiropractic care. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Chi- chiropractic care. What, something like that. Essential oils. Come on, where are all the voodoo people at? Yeah. <laughs> I got you on that. You were okay with chiropractic, but don't touch my young living. I know where you're at on that. I wish I could help you with that. But I, 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 I really, in praying, I just, I couldn't give you some practical tools today. I thought I'd give you God's word today. Some ways that if you'll, if you'll, if you'll deal with these areas, I think it'll remove stress off of your life. One of the things I love about a life-giving church like City Hills is we come in here and we experience the presence of God. Don't you love a church where you can freely worship and experience the presence of God, everybody? It's one of the things I love most about this church. There are people crying. There's people praying. There's people worshiping. There's people on their knees. There's people getting close to God. I love the freedom that you have to experience God's presence. But listen, if the only place you're experiencing refuge from your stress is here, then you're not equipped enough. You will eventually give up when you get out of here and you don't have the right tool to help you in your stress. I, you got to figure out some way that on a Wednesday when you're all by yourself to get in the presence of God and deal with your stress. You can't live Sunday to Sunday. Look at me. That's an addict who has to have it every single week. If I don't get my new hit, I don't, I'm not going to make it. I got to get no, nothing wrong with being in church. I, I need the presence of God just like you do. But you got to learn how to get it for yourself. That's why the Bible said, I encouraged myself in the Lord. You got to learn how to close your car door, turn the music up loud, get your hands in the air, and get in God's presence right by yourself so that you can get out of that stress you're in while you're in it. Are you there? And I want to help you identify how to do that. And, and, and I think there's two areas. There's probably three. As a matter of fact, the third area I think is relationships. And I taught about that several weeks ago in our reply all series. So I'm not going to bring it up today. But two main areas I think are causing you stress. That if you'll get an alignment in these areas, I think God's word will help us lift some of the stress off of us. Are you ready for that? Say amen. It's found in obscurity in Psalm 62. David would write it like this. And he's a poet. And you know, sometimes poets are a little weird. Come on, somebody, where you at on that? You know, like, sometimes they say stuff, you're like, I don't quite understand what you're talking about right there, so let me interpret for you. He says, low-born men are but a breath, and high-born are but a lie. Let me interpret that. That's, that's poetic for, it doesn't matter if you're a have or a have-not. Everybody's got the same struggle. Some people who feel like you don't have enough, you, you'll convince yourself, if I just had more money, if I had a different marriage, if we had a bigger house, if I had a different career, then all my stresses would go away. And then there's some of us with a ton of stress because you got money and property and stuff and businesses and employees, and you think, if I could just simplify my life, then all my stress would go away. There's sometimes I drive down the highway when I'm not on I-10 because when I'm there, I'm just trying, I'm praying to stay saved till I get to 1604. But other times I'm with Brandy. You asked Brandy about this. I love the idea. There are times when it's stressful, not pastoring y'all, but first service people. And so, and so there are times I drive down the highway and I see that guy that works for the state who's mowing the grass in the median. You know what I'm talking about? And I think to myself, God, please. 
Deliver me from these people so that I can go mow grass every day of my life. What calm it would be to just get in my tractor, turn on Tim McGraw for 10 hours a day and cut straight lines, turn around and cut straight lines that way, turn around, cut straight lines that way, get out of my cab in the afternoon smelling like gasoline and grass and go home to mama and eat pork chop. Is that nobody else's dream but mine? <laughs> don't make me feel bad for my. I'm from Arkansas, y'all. I don't have much. <laughs> there are just times I think if it was simpler, it would be easier. If my life was just simpler. But David said, no, 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 no. Doesn't matter where you come from. Lowborn, highborn. If you weigh their lives in a balance, they both aren't much of anything. Together, people who have tons of education and money and people who don't. People who have a family who set them up and people who don't. People who own their own home and people who don't. People who have discretionary income and people who live paycheck to paycheck. All of us have the same amount of time. And our lives are only a breath. And then he gives us a second thing that causes stress in our lives. He said, by the way, don't trust an extort, extort, extortion, sorry, bad word, extortion or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches, money, though you get more money, don't let your heart be set on all that money. So, so there's two things, two main culprits. Write these in your notes. I didn't put them on the screen. Listen, the first main culprit of the stress in our lives is how we manage our time. It's our time. It's our time. We we got to get a grasp. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. We got to get a grasp on our schedules. We do too much, and we only have a certain amount of time. And, and and I think as Americans, we sort of live this busyness again as a badge of honor. That I'm being. I've met people who are busy, but aren't productive. I've met people who have a lot of motion, but don't have a lot of movement. I'll say that again because you didn't get it. I've met people who are slinging mud in motion, but their lives aren't moving forward. And we have a ton of busyness, how we manage our time, but we're not really doing the things that God's called us to do. I'm really not living. We're going to have to stop trying to please everybody with our schedule, and we're going to have to decide. We only have a certain amount of time, and I can't allow anything to distract me from the thing God's called me to do like my time is out of control and it's causing me stress reminds me of a story in Daniel chapter 5 this is a story of the handwriting on the wall Nebuchadnezzar the king is there and his life is out of control absolutely out of control and this hand shows up like the Adams family and it starts writing on the wall there and, 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 and it's amazing what happens there and I don't know how it appears, but he starts writing this inscription. And Daniel 5 tells us what it is. Daniel 5 and 25 says, This is the inscription that was written. Many, many tickle parson. And here is what these words mean. Daniel's interpreting this for, 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 for the king. He says, Many means God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Catch this. Tickle means that you've been weighed... On the scales, and your life is found wanting some things. And Perez is the is the plurality of the of the word Persian. It means your kingdom has been divided between the Medes and the Persians. He said, Your days are numbered. Would you write that in your notes? My days are numbered. I only have a few days to do what God's called me to do. Somebody asked me one time, Pastor, are we living in the last days? Look at me. I don't know if we're living in the last days, but I'm living in my last days. These are the only days I have. This is the only life I have. Our days are numbered. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. You don't get a do-over. You don't get to come back and say, now I figured it out what my life's purpose is. Our days are numbered. And our lives are out of balance. That's what 
the writing on the wall said, our lives are out of it. You've been found wanting and there's some balance issues there. And it will cost us something. It costs the king his kingdom. And it costs every one of us. You don't get control of your time. It'll cost you something. For some of us, it may cost us our marriage. It may cost us our kids. It may cost us our families. It may cost us our health. It may cost us our peace. And that's why you're here today. Some of you just need this prophetic warning that if you don't get control of our time, you're going to lose something. There's stress that comes along. Look at your schedule. Look at your life. And don't ask, is it in balance? Ask, is it in order? God is not a God of balance. He's a God of order. God is not a God of balance. He's a God of order. It is out of balance for God the Father to send His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's out of balance for you to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. It's out of balance for God to be first and everybody else to line up behind it. But it's in divine order. And in order for God to bless every area of your life, you're going to have to get in divine order. I've only got a certain amount of time. Am I using my time well? Are you still there? Say amen. The other area Psalm 62 says is our money, our money. Nothing causes stress like money. Can I get a better amen? Nothing fights in your marriage like money. Nothing causes us to fight and, 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 and struggle. And, and, and so i got to get you out of time and money. And I'm just, let me pause here. This is not a money message, but i got to tell you, if it, we, we have too much debt and too much stuff and we've acquired too much stuff. Listen to me. Let me just be here, pastor, for a moment. Quit buying stuff you can't afford to impress people who will never like you anyway they don't have your value your value comes in God it comes in what Jesus did for you it comes in who you are in Christ don't keep accumulating all this stuff thinking if I just if my money if I just get more than everybody that's not the way God designed you don't trust in riches Psalm says don't, don't put your life in that I, I gotta know how to live my life my money it's important because First Timothy says it like this the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil in this world. And some people, believe it or not, eager for money, have wandered from the faith. And, and, and now they brought stress on themselves. We, we got to get our time in order. We got to get our money in order. And, and so I asked the Lord, what, what can I give you? Some handles. I got to give you some practical stuff to help you deal with the stress of your time the stress of your money. And I'm going to give you three today. Write these down and then we'll pray. Number one, we're going to have to learn how to live with a sense of purpose and urgency. Learn to live with a sense of purpose and urgency. One of the best ways for you to get your time and money in alignment is to learn what your purpose is and to get busy Doing what you're called to do. Say amen to that everybody. You'll learn what you can say no to when you learn what God's called you to say yes to. One of the greatest gifts I can give you as a pastor. It's what's happening today in step two of the growth track. is to help you discover your purpose. Matter of fact, I think it's one of the callings God gave me in my ministry is to help people awaken the dream that God has on the inside of you. You know the dozens, the hundreds of people on our dream team? They're not living out my dream. They're living out their dream. What I'm doing right now, this is my dream. This is what God called me to do. But every single Sunday and every single Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, when they're serving in our city and serving their neighbors and loving people and serving on Sunday and making a space for people to meet Jesus here, you know what they're doing? They're living out their purpose. That's why they're so full of joy. It matters if you live your life with purpose and with urgency. You ought to get up every day with purpose and urgency in your life. How many of you are slow risers? Where's all my slow risers? I'm married to a slow riser. I love mornings. I'm going to confess it to you right now. I wake up, if I've slept two hours or ten hours, I wake up yelling and hollering and screaming, throwing the curtains open, yelling about something. Where's all my morning people? Where are you at on? Doesn't matter how long I slept. I'm ready. I get up and go. My little boy is the same way. This morning, six o'clock in the morning, he walks out of his bedroom into the hallway just hollering, Mama, Daddy, time to go. Just ready. 
ready to go. My little girl is more like her mother. She kind of eases into her days. Where you at on that, everybody? It takes her a time. She gets real puffy in the face. You know what I'm saying? Real puffy eyed. And I'm going, baby, you slept 12 hours last night. Don't talk to me, daddy. Brandy tells me often, after 20 years of marriage, she says, why do you got to be so loud in the morning? <laughs> like her ears hurt in the morning. I don't know what it is. <laughs> she just eases into it. Anybody else like that? That's not bad. That's just different. You just got to, don't talk to me till I've had coffee. Don't talk to me till 10 o'clock in the morning. Come on, somebody. Y'all blame coffee. It really ain't got nothing to do with that. Just don't, don't talk to me because I got to ease into my day. I'm not talking about how you wake up. But I am saying this. I think believers ought to live your... You ought to walk in purpose and urgency. I don't have a day to waste. I don't have a Sunday to waste. I don't have a week to waste. Our marriage... Come on, you need to get with your spouse and say, we got to get busy doing what God's called us to do. we got to start that business. we got to decide what God's called us to do. we got to get busy doing the thing. we got to live with purpose and urgency. Because our days are numbered. I just got a short time. One of the greatest gifts I can give you is this church is a church of purpose. If you're new to City Hills, we, we, there's a lot of stuff we don't do. I got to be honest with you. And, and, and we decided early on we were going to say no to more than we're going to say yes to. Because there's only a few things God has called us to do. And I think, the, I think the reason you're here today, as a matter of fact, I think the reason hundreds of people have been saved here and hundreds of people have been baptized here and hundreds of people have come to know God here is because we live a very focused, purpose church. Like we don't, we don't have, we're a purpose-driven church. If it doesn't fit in these four things, our purposes are simple. We want you to know God. I want you to know God intimately, passionately, purposefully. I want you to know the living God who wants to live on the inside of you and then I want you to find freedom from your past from your hurts from your yesterdays then I want you to once you sort of wipe the scales off of your eyes I want you to look to the future and discover the purpose God has for you so that you can live your life doing what God called every single believer to do and that's make a difference with your life I want you to get up every day. And listen, I, uh, there's a ton of ministries. I wish we had ministries to, 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 to so, uh, whatever the thing is you're talking about. Uh, I, I wish we had a specialized ministry for short people that want to be on the Spurs. Come on, somebody. I wish we had ministry. Oh, we don't have ministry to that stuff. We, 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 we help people know God. We help people find freedom. We help people discover their purpose so that they can make a difference with our life. It's that purpose that drives our church. Listen, it's the greatest gift I can give you as a pastor is to be purpose-driven. And the greatest gift you can give your destiny is to live with purpose and urgency. The greatest way for you to walk away from, from, from stress in your life is decide, how has God made me? What's my purpose? What am I going to do with my life? I love the way David said it in Psalms 39. He says, Lord, remind me how brief... I love this translation. Remind me how brief my time on earth will be. This needs to be your prayer this week. Remind me that my days are numbered. How fleeting is my life. You have made my life. Watch this. You've made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best... Each of us is but a breath. I got to live my life with purpose and urgency. If this is all the time I've got, I don't have time for non-essentials. I don't have time for things that I'm not called to do. I don't have time for stress and concerns. It's not bad stuff. It's just, it's not my purpose. It's not wrong stuff. It just doesn't fit my purpose. It's not sin. It just doesn't line up to my purpose. And I've only got a few days and i got to live. I can't be stressed out trying to please you when I'm trying to please God with this little purpose I've got. Are you still there? Say amen. Here's the second thing. Write this down quickly. you got to live with purpose and urgency and you got to put first things first. Put first things first. Lots of things you can do. Sports. Fishing, social media, reading, traveling, writing. I love all of that. I do all of that. But God comes first. God comes first. I want you to live a God first life. 
God comes first. I make no apology. My life is out of balance. Look at me. You're, you're following a pastor whose life is out of balance. I'm not in balance. I'm in order. And the order of my life is God comes first. God, I tell my babies all the time, I love your mama more than anybody, but I love Jesus more than your mama. Because if anything comes between us, God comes first. My relationship with God comes first. Then my relationship with Brandy. I love y'all, but I love her more. She cooks for me. Come on, somebody. My marriage comes next. You say more than your kids? You bet, because them little jokers are going to leave me when they turn 18 and put me in a home. And i got to still be married to mama. And we got we got to have a relationship that lasts. we got to model Christ-like relationship. Are you there, everybody? i got to get in order. Then my, ki- my kids don't run my house. Mama and me run my house. My kids' schedule don't run our house. I love them, but they're third on the list. God comes first. Brandy comes next. Then my babies come. I love y'all, but they come before y'all. Then my church and my work and all my stuff. But God comes first. If you'll do the first, now watch this, I I don't have time to preach it to you because I'm running out of time, but i got to tell you, if you'll put first things first and you'll get it in alignment, you'll open up the flow of the anointing in every other area of your life. If you try to live in balance, then you need a little bit of God in your marriage, a little bit of God in your parenting, a little bit of God on your job, a little bit of God in your finances. But if you'll live in alignment and in order, if God comes first, then you get an alignment behind God, and now the anointing, the blessing, the promises, the purpose of God flows into every other area of my life. Y'all don't believe me. I'll keep preaching it to you. When God anointed Aaron the high priest, the Bible said he poured five quarts of oil on his head. The anointing flows from the top down. Whatever you put first is where the anointing is and it flows into everything else. If you need the blessing of God in your marriage, don't worry about balance. Get in order. Put first things first. Make your relationship with God a priority. Put God's house and God's purpose and God's plan first. Put prayer first. Put giving first. Put serving first. Put first things first. David would again say, come play Henry. They're getting bored. David would say it like this in Psalms 90. He says, teach me to number my days. Teach me to number my days. And recognize how few they are. This is probably one of my favorite lines in all of the Psalms. And help me to spend them as I should. You know what that means? Look at me. Some of us have, have wasted 10, 20, 30 years of our life spending it on stuff that wasn't what God created us to do. And putting first things first says, God, I've only got a, a short amount of time here. i got a little bit of time. Teach me how to number my days. Teach me to recognize I don't have a lot of time left. And then teach me how to spend them in the right order. Help me to live with purpose and urgency. Help me to put first things first. Here's the last thing, and we'll pray. I would be remiss if I didn't point you this way. Listen, this is kind of old-fashioned preaching. If you grew up around church, I'm kind of an old-fashioned guy, honestly. I, I, I can't preach a message about stress without teaching you the, the, probably the greatest thing I can teach you as a believer. You've got to learn how to live on purpose and with urgency. You've got to learn how to get in order and put first things first. But if you really want to live a stressless life, we've got to keep our heart set on heaven. Look at me. It's time we lower our expectation of earth and raise our head to heaven. It's a wrong gospel to believe that God's going to work everything out here. If God was going to work everything out here, why would you need there? The Bible said everything may not work out here. That's why we set our hearts there. 
That's why I'm not living for here. I want you to get, I want you to have 401ks and retirements and kids and education and stuff and ranches and horses. And I want you to have all of that stuff. But my affection isn't for here. My heart isn't for heaven. My heart's for somewhere else. I want you to have a good life. But earth was never intended to be heaven. Look at me. So if you'll lower your expectation of earth and set your heart on heaven, suddenly the stress starts melting away because this, this isn't my final destination. This job isn't just where I'm always going to be. This health concern I have right now, I'm not always going to have this body. One day, I'm gonna, He's going to quicken my mortal body and I'll be like Him. I'll get a new body where no sickness is and no tears are. And no de- It may be stressful now, but this isn't my home. Heaven is what I was created for. Paul, Paul answered the question, are you stressed out? Do you have stress in your life? 2 Corinthians, therefore... Don't lose heart. You may have a ton of stress that makes you waste away. But something on the inside of you can renew you every day. Because our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us. The stress that we have here is achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, Fix your eyes on something you can't see. Live for heaven and you'll get earth thrown in for free. Live for earth and you'll lose both. Live for heaven. Set your heart on another world. Order your life on something else. Jesus even said in John 14, Don't let your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, you can believe in me. There's a place you can't see now. My father's house has a lot of rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place? Listen to me. Here's the last thing i got to tell you and then we'll pray. I know you're dealing with stress in your here and now. I know you're dealing with stress on the job, stress in a relationship, stress in a marriage, stress with your kids, stress in your finances, stress in your health. What am I going to do with my time and my money? Stress everywhere. But Jesus offers more than a better now. He offers a better place. And I couldn't leave this stress message without telling you, you don't just have to aim for a better now. You can aim for a better place. That God has put eternity in the hearts of men, the Bible says. Stir that eternity up in you today. When you go home and the stresses are still there, when you, when you look at your schedule this week with your spouse and your budget, and you start thinking about your time and your money, trying to put first things first, trying to live with purpose, to, to, to doing your best, make sure that you aim for heaven. Make sure that your mind is on what lasts. Make sure that your heart's on eternity. Make sure that you realize this world's just temporary. Jesus promises me more than a better now. He died so you and I could have a better place. Bow your heads, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I recognize in a crowd this size there are people here with stressors and worries and anxiety and fear. And How am I going to? What are we going to do? Where, where is this going to end up? Some of it may be self-inflicted with our own schedules and our own money and some of it may have happened to us beyond our control, our health or relationship that's broken. Father, I pray in this moment they would sense how close you are in the middle of all of that stress. That you may not deliver them from it. You may show up right in the middle of it. Giving them a tool. Helping them to live with purpose and urgency. Helping them to order their lives. Put first things first. God setting their hearts on heaven and not the earth. While you're in this posture of prayer, nobody moving or looking around. 
If that's you, if you feel like, man, I'm under that weight of stress and anxiety, I got that stress. It may be coming out physically in your life. It may be coming out in your marriage. It may be a stressor in your health. It may be a stress about your finances. It may be a stress about the future, if that's you. And you want to be included in this prayer. Would you just be so bold? Nobody's looking but me. Would you be bold enough to tell God, raise your hand up, say, that's me. That's me. There's stress all around. I, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know which way to turn. I see you. I see you. Now, I want you to give your heart to Jesus. This is the way you do it, with your hand raised. God, I pray. Pray for every person who is bold enough to say, that's me. God, that they would, they would find that stress in their lives. They would turn it over to Jesus. They would begin to eliminate the non-essentials, living with purpose and urgency. Discover how God designed them. Finding out what I'm supposed to do with my life and then doing that thing for the rest of my life. Live with urgency. God, help them to order their lives first things first in their money, in their time, in their schedules, in their relationships. Put first things first. That God comes first. We're going to live a God first life. Everything else lines up behind that. Everything else gets in order behind God. And then the anointing flows into everything else. God, I pray for the hands that were raised that eternity would be our hope. God, help me to lower my expectation of earth. This world is broken and it's failing and people will fail and jobs will fail and economies will crumble and health is still struggling, but eternity is forever. Help me to set my eyes, my heart. Help me to set my affections on heaven. Now, if you've never surrendered your whole life to Jesus, here's the right time to do it. Nobody's moving around. If you want that kind of, if you want that kind of hope of heaven, the Bible said it's as simple as believing in your heart, opening your mouth and confessing that belief. I can't pray this for you, but I can pray it with you. Lord Jesus, I need you today. I repent of all of my sins. I believe that you died to pay for my sins. I believe that you rose again so I could have eternal life. I give you my whole heart today. I give you my past and my brokenness, my sin. I give you my stress, my worries, my anxiety. I give you my future, my dreams, my hopes. I give you all of me. Save me today. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody shout a big amen. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise, everybody.